to ideas that change lives. I'm your host, Beth Perkel, and together we will explore the gemstones from every angle that I've carefully sifted for you from life's dusty gravel path. Be it from my own experiences, mistakes, or my ever-churning mind and heart, from those of my guests, or from wisdom I've come across in the writing of some of the greatest minds to be brave enough to pick up the pen and write their bravest thoughts down for us. I've done the work in finding it and presenting it for you, but now it's up to you to decide whether or not it's an idea that will change your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back. Today we're going to start off with a special Hanukkah and holiday offer. For those of my dear listeners that have not yet purchased my book, Light at the Beginning of the Tunnel, Wiring Our Children for Happiness, I have an exclusive offer for you. I'm offering it to my listeners for 25% off and free shipping. Um, And as an added bonus, it will be a signed copy by me. So please reach out to teachingchildrenhappiness at gmail.com. I'll also include that. Um, in the notes of the episode, and I am happy to arrange a copy for you for anyone in the United States. If you live abroad, I'm more than happy to send you (laughs) a a signed note and blessing for you to tape inside your book. If you purchase the book abroad, it's um, available for many different sellers. Unfortunately, I can't mail it um, because the shipping would be so much, probably more than the book would cost. So um, anyone who lives abroad and wants the book, happy to send you a special note to tape inside of it. So, and this offer also extends no matter when you're hearing this episode. So even if you hear it after the holidays, feel free to reach out. Today, we're going to talk about negating negativity, how to turn down the volume on our unpleasant thoughts. Recently, I was speaking to a friend who I consider quite positive, and you know how you sometimes encounter those people when they say something to you and you realize, hey, this person is a bit different on the outside than they are on the inside, and then you take a step back and you say, well, aren't we all like that, right? We all try to put our best foot forwards, but it's inevitable that we do have negative tendencies, and that's what we're going to explore in the episode today not only explore, but also normalize. So this friend was telling me how disappointed she is with herself that often in her memories, she remembers the negative pieces that happened. As an example, she was highlighting how when she thinks about her daughter's wedding that happened during the height of COVID, all she can think of is how upset she was and still is that this was her first child to get married and the celebration was so limited. So much of her family couldn't be there and had to be in a limited outdoor venue, all of the pieces that, you know, related to COVID. And I helped her by speaking to her about the concept of the negativity bias, which is a concept that when I learned about, it really helped me reframe and change my life. And I hope it will for you as well. Once we realize that the propensity for, the, for negativity is really part of our wiring, we can be much kinder to ourselves about our tendency towards this negativity and realize it's not just us struggling this, right? We have a whole internal world on the inside that as much as we try to be positive on the outside, still 
happens for most of us. So why is this? Let's explore. First off is the fact that we awfulize. Now, the verb version of this word, um, I heard coins by Alanya Van Zandt, and I, re- I really love it because it encapsulates that our mind often goes to the worst first, which makes sense. Why is that? Why does this make sense? Well, now we're going to talk about the biological wiring of our brains. Our brains were designed to be problem-solving machines. So in other words, they're constantly scanning for problems. They are on high alert to be adaptive to our environment. Going back, this means primordially, and even the most primitive times, the scanning for problems prevented our ancestors from getting eaten by a tiger, right? Which is a real danger back then. Nowadays, our brains are scanning for everything from, forget the tigers, those were at least limited. Now we're scanning for everything from scammers to germs to prejudice to modern day high traffic patterns so we don't get stuck on the way home, right? Our brain is on overdrive. There's basically something to worry about everywhere if we focus on it. We're not just worried about the tigers anymore. Something bad can literally be lurking around any corner in our society, unfortunately. And this puts the scanning of the brain into overdrive. And because our brains are scanning for problems and not joy, this means that we have to hijack them to search for joy. It often comes down to a choice to see the positive. And this is an active process, which is what we have to realize. If we're just going to like lay back and let the brain do what it does best, it's going to be scanning for those problems and it's going to be sparking the negative in doing so. And this is exactly where the concept of the negativity bias comes in. So let's define the negativity bias. It's a very popular psychology concept, right? We're moving from biological to the psychological. The negativity bias is our tendency to not only register negative stimuli more readily, but also to dwell on these events. So in other words, in terms of emotional dangers, this makes us feel the sting of a rebuke more powerfully than we feel the joy of somebody's praise. I know for myself, how often do I get a compliment and I just kind of blow through it in my mind and maybe even feel uncomfortable and say, oh, thank you, thank you. But I should really marinate on that praise and marinate on that compliment, right? I worked hard for that. Um, But if someone says something negative to me or rebukes me, I am like marinating about it till I figure out what, what made that happen, right? And this makes us dwell, this negativity bias makes us dwell on the negativity of past events more than on the positivity, right? She goes back to the story with my friends and her daughter's wedding. Once we know this is there as part of who we are, we can catch ourselves and forgive ourselves and stop beating ourselves up, right? Really, we should beat ourselves up for the negativity bias no more than we should for blinking, right? Blinking is just to protect our eyes from schmutz, which is the Yiddish word for dirt, right? Things you don't want to come in your eye. Problem scanning is to save us from the tiger physically or the bad romantic partner or bad friends or toxic boss emotionally. But what do we do? Because most of our tigers are really just illusory, especially when we're talking 
in the psychology and emotional realm. Think about it. Reflect in your own life. The things we awfulize about almost never were as bad as we made it out to be for a past event. And for future worries, those things that we awfulized about, being worried they might happen, thank God, they almost never came to fruition. Think about how many times you wasted emotional energy predicting doom and everything turned out to be fine, thank God. So how can we override our negativity bias for the 99% of the time when the only danger we are really in is being negative (laughs) and the disastrous effects that the negativity has on our health and our relationships. So one way, the first one I want to talk about is to reframe. By now, (laughs) you fans out there who have listened to enough of my episodes will know that I love the reframing tool because why? When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Okay, that's a really important piece to remember. With scanning our environment and noticing the negative, we can reframe by actually labeling things as with the word problem. When we label something a problem, it's already negative. It already has a very negative connotation. You can move from the word problem to the word challenge as a first step, right? Most quote unquote problems can be reframed as a challenge and then it already activates your problem-solving skills are really like your, your desire to like meet the challenge um, and overcome it and not just dwell in the negative. And when you're on a really high level, right, of reversing the negativity bias, the next step is to label the challenges, to bump it up one notch and to label it as opportunities. So reframing is the first tool, but how can we change our brain settings And that might be a very, very appropriate question to ask me next. What can we do if we're saying before that it's part of who we are? How are we supposed to change that? If our ancestors had this negative tendency to like the brain was always scanning for problems to save from tigers, how am I, you know, eons later going to change anything? Well, there is hope, lots of hope actually, because we know through neurology that there's something called neuroplasticity, which has to do with rewiring the brain. It's not a fait accompli that however you look at things will always be the way that you look at them. The brain can be changed through making new connections and new patterns. You can become a more positive person and overcome the negativity bias. How? You can do this through repeatedly and consistently changing the habitual way you look at things. Or there's also other methods, right? Um, What I'm just going to mention but not get into deeply is there's a method called tapping, uh, which is, you know, you tap on certain certain specific points on your face, on your wrist, and it's a method for releasing stress and built up trauma or negativity. Um, I'm not going to go into it too deeply, but you can look up Nick Ortner, who's an expert on tapping and has a lot of different um, instructional videos and um, information about it. Shifting gears. Another thing we need to realize that can also help us very much so in explaining and understanding what's going on with our negativity is to realize and recognize the very privileged times that we live in and how this ironically contributes to our negativity. 
And this is through our expectations. Now, again, I have a whole, a whole entire episode on expectation management because I really believe it's one of the most underrated life skills, being able to manage expectations. But here, we're going to talk about an offshoot of that, which is basically our expectations create our negativity often. Because think about it this way. Earlier generations, think back to even your grandparents, great-grandparents, for sure before that, they did not expect that life would be as frictionless, I'm going to say that again, frictionless as we try to make it in our generation, right? They took hardships and disappointments as the inevitable part of life, whereas we more often see them as indications that we're not living life properly, we're somehow messing up or we're at fault. When life doesn't go our way, we're, we take it very personally. But no, that is exactly the problem here. It's, it's, it's like the famous saying, into every life, some rain must fall. Life is not going to be perfect. And when we expect it to be, and when we don't expect that there are going to be some hardships and disappointments, it makes our life added. It adds difficulty to our life. Because we need to change the expectation for life to be a walk in the park and realize that no, there are going to be, there are going to be challenges and hardships and disappointments. And then when they come, we won't feel so negative about them because we'll have been anticipating them to begin with. Another step that springs from this, springs from this to battle negativity is to relate to failure, quote unquote, or things that don't go your way in a new light. Okay, so failure is a very loaded word. And obviously images, negative images pop up with this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you how it doesn't have to trigger all that. So I love the quote, either you failed or you learned. It could be one or the other. So the question is, when you have a hardship that you consider a failure, which do you want to experience, right? If you want to be the one that learns, sees it as, oh, I learned something, then don't look at failure negatively. Look at it as a spring springboard to learn something about yourself or the field you're in to make things go better next time. In other words, take out the judgments of things. Often the minute you put on your mental judge robes and take out your emotional gavel, you're already 90% of the way there to negativity. Studies show that people who look at failures with non-judgmental lenses, they have more happiness. That's a very important piece. We can look at things with a non-judgmental lens and be way more happy. And after something negative happens, try to ask yourself, and this isn't easy, so it's, I'm not saying that this is a walk in the park, but once you train yourself in this and get to this level, hopefully you can start asking yourself, okay, so this happened. What can I learn from it? The next level is what is the gift here? And when we do that, when we learn from it, you'll see, you'll begin to feel invincible because when challenges happen, you'll see the learning opportunities. Next, I want to explore the following tool, and I call this one Memories as a Portal to Happiness. Now, the strangest thing happened to me with the memories of what most people consider like the best day in their life. Maybe it's stereotypically people consider it that, 
But uh, obviously, what do you think about what I'm saying? What, what do you think I'm going to say? Your wedding day, right? So the strangest thing happens to me with the memories of my wedding. Here's what happened. They were basically superimposed by the video imagery. So in other words, the wedding video has superimposed <laughs> my actual visions or memories of my wedding. Maybe it was because it was such an overwhelming day or maybe because my husband and I hit the ground running to such an extent with getting our lives together and started after that it was like very, you know, very like running, running, running kinds of week after the wedding and I didn't have time to process all of my firsthand memories from this <clears throat> very unique and wonderful experience. But basically, I have very few unique and personal memories from my own pair of eyes about my wedding. I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but it's almost like I have, I call it wedding blindness. <laughs> so how do we untap the richness of memories, not make them forgotten? Well, let me ask you, how much time do you spend out of your day choosing to marinate in the moments that meant the most to you, right? Why do we not spend more time going back in time and just reliving in our mind's eye our favorite memories, right? We Instead, we spend most of the day thinking about what's happening that day and that's it, right? We don't take a time travel back in time to 10, 15, 20 years ago to our favorite memories. But if you think about it, why do we keep those memories like a delicious piece of chocolate that we never eat? right? They're there to access and to enjoy. So why don't we marinate in good memories instead of bad ones? This is part of the negativity bias that often we ruminate over the bad things that happen and go back and play them in our minds more than we do the good things. Now, we have a chance to live wherever we want, really. We know it because we teleport from the present moment all the time into ruminating about those past memories and worrying about the future also. But you create neural pathways when thinking about something. So in other words, you strengthen the memory of whatever you think about in your head the more than other things. So if we want to strengthen the memories of the good times, we have to think about them more. We're giving more power to the negative things or the bad memories, quote unquote, if those are what we're thinking about the most. So maybe if right after my wedding, I had like marinated in my own first person images of that beautiful day, I would have had access now to more of my own memories about that. So I want to give you an exercise having to do with this. I'd like you to choose one of your favorite memories from your past. Choose just one for this week. And I want you to switch over to that thought of the good memory every time your mind goes to negativity this week. And then come next week, I want you to choose a different positive memory that you want to be your highlight reel of the week. In other words, each week, let's just start with the first two weeks. Pick, pre-pick the memory you want to visit when your mind goes to the negative and just keep thinking about that and see how your brain retrains itself and how you feel better emotionally. So to end, I want to end with a quote by, by Cesare Pavese, very hard name to say. <laughs> I believe he's Italian. And he once said the following, which directly correlates to what we've been talking about in this episode. He said, we do not remember days. We remember moments. 
The richness of life lies in memories we have forgotten. So in other words, we are creating our neural pathways. We are um, able to undo our negativity bias by choosing what to focus on, how to reframe, and recognizing the process of what's going on when we do end up being negative. And through the tools and concepts we've spoken about today, we have the ability to open ourselves up to much more positivity. Positivity. My blessing to you all as you face your negativity without judgment, realizing its primal components is to use these tools successfully to put yourself on a path to positivity. I wish that for all of you. Be well.